I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Good afternoon. This is the Close of Business podcast. Kyle Rotter here with David Scott, obviously in our Adelaide studios. Scotty, um, another tough day on the markets, a brief foray below 7,000. When I last checked, every sector in the red, the bank's still coming under some selling pressure. Tech, the same story. Um, the fallout from some of this, well, I guess you'd call it systemic risk in the US banking system, continues to rattle investors' nerves. Yeah, uh, that and evaluations are colliding together and we're getting this uh, pretty ugly scenario right now. But one thing that uh, I know that the benefit of hindsight gives you, particularly when you've gone through multiple cycles, is that to me, it just feels different. It doesn't feel like a systemic event like a GFC right now. Maybe if it was to continue uh, for another couple of months, maybe my view would go and change. But just it feels different on this occasion. That's why I'm not uh, you know, ringing the bell on the cycle. I'm not ringing the bell on rate cuts or anything like that. But uh, clearly, a few others out there are doing that. Yeah, well, uh, I had Martin Crabbe on this afternoon discussing some of the uh, shifting dynamics in the rates markets. And, uh, well, here is my value that I can bring, if uh, anything at all, just some trivia. Uh, the biggest one-day move in the two-year German Bund yield overnight, uh, the ten, uh, two-year U.S. Treasury yield, the biggest one-day move since 1987 uh, when uh, I last checked. So uh, some really significant repricing going on in the markets right now. But again, Scuddy, a uh, few less white hairs than most people out there in financial markets. So I certainly can't draw on perhaps a wealth of experience. But like you said, you know, we're seeing some ructions in equity markets. Clearly, sentiment uh, is is severely impacted. And there are some fears about you know maybe the ramifications of this particular event. But if you do look around the traps, uh, you know, some of those classic signs of, of true market dis- distress, say, uh, you know, in uh, uh, spreads in, in funding markets or whatever it happens to be, uh, doesn't seem to be there just yet. Obviously, you always come with the necessary caveat that things could change. Maybe there's something lurking behind the corner where uh, that we don't know yet. But for the time being, it looks uh, a little bit more, well, I don't know, I'd rephrase it as perhaps some uh, indigestion as we, we sort this issue out. Yeah. Look, let's just cut to the chase. When it comes to the likes of Silicon Valley Bank and a few of the others being shut down, they're just really poorly run. Now, it doesn't bode well for the uh, the regulators one iota, uh, nor does it know some of the auditors that go through and have a look at uh, the interest rate risk that's being run by those institutions, liquidity risk and the like. It, like, it was really poor, and that's coming from someone who's worked in bank treasury for, uh, for a large chunk of time. But don't go and cast that as being a sign of what it's like across the entire banking system. And that's where I just think that, no, we're just getting way too far ahead of ourselves because of a couple of silly decisions made at you know, some individual banks. All of a sudden, we're talking about uh, this need to go and cut rates and uh, everything else. Just uh, putting the cart before the horse. I, I'd be very surprised if we start this move that we're seeing at the moment. This volatility lasts beyond uh, in the next couple of days. 
Well, let's talk about the next volatility risk potentially because we're still in the uh, midst of, of this one. Um, so let's just assume it takes a couple of days to digest. But one thing that could either fan the fa- flames or perhaps douse them very slightly is going to be this CPI figure tonight, uh, Scuddy. We saw the non-farm payrolls data effectively washed out by this event. The CPI though, what should we expect? I mean, comes in hot. We could start to see, I guess, well, certainly heightened volatility, some some concerns of, you know, I suppose the narrative would, would then shift, rightly or wrongly, to trade-offs between financial stability and and the uh, the Fed's um, inflation mandate. Yeah, it's still going to be very hot, and it's going to show that the momentum, that disinflationary pressure that we saw coming through that was getting so many people excited about a pivot only, you know, just over a month or so ago, uh, it's just not going to be seen in this data. In, in fact, there's probably going to be some signs that we might see a reacceleration in some of those goods prices. I know that a lot of people are keeping a close eye on the used car price indices and the like. Also, some uh, rental data as well, suggesting that we're starting to go and see a pickup in that space. So, yeah, two big components. I dare say that we're going to go and talk about sticky inflationary pressures. It's a very tricky path for the Fed to go and navigate. But, of course... Uh, its mandate is not to go and uh, worry about you know, bad banking practices uh, at a couple of institutions. Uh, it's about you know, keeping as maximum full com- employment as possible and, more importantly, uh, keeping inflation price stability in check. And uh, letting inflation go and, and run and, uh, and seeing borrowing costs go and decline across uh, the curve is not going to go and help them in that task. Yeah, I dare say my heart goes out to them. A lot of venture capitalists in Silicon Valley are starting to realize that the Fed's job isn't to keep interest rates and uh, the cost of capital at zero for them. It's actually to, to manage the real economy. So uh, very sober realization perhaps for uh, men wearing T-shirts of the company's brand that uh, they own their startup. So anyway, we digress. Um, let's talk about some of the conversations that we did have today. Actually, I wouldn't mind, Scotty, if um, just a, a touch touching on what Paul Bloxham had to say to you in the big picture. Obviously, we, we like to focus on our equity story here, and we'll get to that as well. Um, but we've got more or less, again, in sympathy with this broader move in global financial markets, no, no hikes to come from the RBA from here. It's going to be a pause uh, if you looked at cash rates futures right now. What did he have to say? Because I know he's been fairly dovish anyway, even prior to this event. Yeah, it uh, just moves further in favour. He's been uh, calling for over a month now for the RBA to go and pause after that uh, that very hawkish uh, no, statement that was released in February. And uh, of course, that, what's happened the last few days certainly goes and, and, and helps that kind of narrative that likely to be paused. I did ask him about what the catalyst would be to go and see the RBA cut rates. And he just said, well, that's not what's on the horizon right now. It's about you know, the pause and then how long uh, it has to be held there. And does the RBA have to go and start hiking again or can it start cutting again? Uh, the cycle. So he's not really surprised with what's going on at the moment. Things there's a little bit of overreaction out there at this point in time. Look, and I think a few others out there, including myself, are saying the same. Yeah, and again, we'll uh, keep an eye for that CPI uh, figure tonight. But um, let's go again to sort of the investment side of things at the moment, uh, move away from, from the macro perhaps. And we may as well get cracking on the stock of the day uh, because while it wasn't a stock of the day, it was a sector of the day and it was gold. Uh, Scuddy, just before we plow into that, the gold trade at the moment, it's always just a real rate story. We're just following what the uh, front end of the yield curve lower and uh, the US dollar as well. Yeah, 
Absolutely. That seems to be the way at the moment. Looking at the two-year yield uh, in Asia, um, having been below 4%, uh, the US uh, two-year is now up around about 24 basis points. So a very chunky move, albeit it doesn't really go and touch the service compared to some of the uh, the moves that we've seen over the last few days. But it's a sign that things are starting to go and calm down. Keep a close eye on uh, bond market volatility, the move index. You can go Google that one at home and keep a track of uh, where it's sitting at this point in time. And of course, uh, the VIX always gives you a good indication as to how options traders are feeling about the next month or so. Obviously a big jump yesterday, but uh, let's see how long that lasts. Okay, so with all that said, the stock of the day or the sector of the day was gold. Here's Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Rudy Filipek van Dyke from FN Arena discussing the gold space and, well, perhaps some names that they like. The one that I do like uh, and have liked for a long time, have been a holder for a long time, is DeGray, D-E-G being the stock code there. Uh, they have a big project, Molina. Uh, which is coming up for some significant milestones, I guess, this year. We've got the definitive feasibility study, which should come out in mid-2023. Uh, uh, and with that, they will be able to finalise funding, and then they will make the final investment decision in the second half of this year. Uh, they are continuing exploration. If you really want to go into the share market, um, instead of trying to pick the next gold stock, uh, maybe pointing out that a, a small cap service provider like DDH, right. DDH1, yeah. uh, is ac actually does have a lot of um, gold customers, right. and um, if gold does see a prolonged return to favor, mm. then I would think that that, that share price okay. would catch up as well. Okay, so there you have it. Um, some suggestions there potentially that if you do want to get involved in gold uh, that uh, one can follow. I mean, if you listen to folks like Ray Dalio and, and these people, um, not necessarily gold bugs by any means, but they always say you should keep 5 to 10% allocated in gold. In fact, Martin Crabb this afternoon and uh, I interviewed after the bell said, you know, that's the way that they like to run their portfolio, although they do do it uh, by getting exposure to some ASX listed uh, gold stock. So some food for thought there. Uh, Scuddy, any other thoughts um, at the moment in terms of just where we're heading that the backdrop here, even any sort of takeaways that you've had from interviews today uh, that you might be able to share? Oh, the takeaways and interviews today, obviously, it looks very grim out there at this point in time, but there will come uh, plenty of opportunities. Uh, George Baburis from K2 Asset Management, one of the first chats I had uh, earlier on today, uh, has seen a few cycles in his time. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. And uh, yeah, I really was impressed with uh, with what he had to go and say. Uh, have a listen. I think the, uh, the interviews in the show notes today on, uh, on email, uh, yeah, just it pays to go and listen to people who have been around the block a few times when we've seen episodes like this. Yeah, old heads uh, and wise heads often prevail in these situations, or at least I've been told. And I uh, had a really good conversation, actually, just picking up on that sort of theme there uh, with John Noonan from Thomson Reuters. He's uh, obviously seen a few cycles himself. And again, we made that joke on on the trade uh, with, uh, with the tongue-in-cheek, of course, but um, shared some wisdom as well. Just in terms of other conversations we had, obviously, I've already re uh, referenced a few times Martin Crabb from Shore & Partners uh, giving a nice little deep dive on the day's action, also digging into the... Uh, 
potential opportunities in the bank space and highlighting the differences between our obviously uh, our local banking industry and banking stocks compared to the United States and other parts of the world. Also had a little bit of a talk, a chat about tech, um, obviously delineating between uh, the profitable kind and what, uh, well, people in the tech industry affectionately refer to as pre-profit companies, which is just a fancy way of saying we have an unproven idea and we're currently mm. running at a, at a loss. But nevertheless, uh, speaking about some of the ways uh, you can potentially ta- tackle opportunities uh, in, in those two sectors. Also in your newsletter today, um, Ben Clark from TMS Capital had a buy, hold, sell. Always good to get those. And uh, well, we also had on the program today, uh, Jason Island, who I really uh, enjoy talking about, uh, talking to about with perhaps the topic, uh, about the topic that we could wrap up with is just the uh, consumer sentiment surveys there. Um, Scuddy, just in terms of those uh, those surveys there, don't want to delve too deeply because I don't know if we actually gleaned any new information, but consumers, incredibly pessimistic, businesses starting to reflect the same. Anything else more than we, that we can sort of take away from, from those two data points? No, on occasions, there's, uh, there's some pretty strong signals in that. Today, it was noise. That's, that's a succinct approach as to what we're in there today. Uh, yeah, created a few headlines, but yeah, nothing that we didn't know. Yes, and uh, brevity is the soul of wit, of course. So, uh, very, uh, very succinct answer indeed. Um, Scotty, we may as well leave it there now. Uh, anything, again, just you've got your eye on in the next couple of days that we should be um, wary of, or is it really just this CPI hurdle is, uh, well, uh, too big to even be able to look over? And once we've gotten past that, we can start thinking about, um, well, perhaps what's beyond. Unless we see a decline in unemployment uh, in Australia's jobs report in a couple of days' time, I think the RBA's tightening cycle is done. That's my uh, that's what I think is uh, coming up, and that's what I'll be looking for. <laughs> Spectacular hot take. I haven't got any hot takes because, well, the best takes that I've got are lukewarm at best. But uh, we may as well wrap it up there because, uh, well, we've got lives to get to. Scotty, um, appreciate the chat. Talk tomorrow. Sounds good, mate. Take care. Cheers.